Good morning, CCSE. My name is Debbie, and I'll be reading the scripture for you today, which comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. Please give your attention to the reading of God's word. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now let's give our attention to the preaching of God's word. Thank you for the reading of God's word. Thank you to Debbie. Let's turn to each other uh, to our right and to our left as we welcome each other on this worship. And it's also Father's Day. Okay, so let's greet each other. Happy Father's Day. Welcome to the worship of God here at CCSC. It's a beautiful, beautiful morning to gather together. Quite a weekend so far. We just finished our Shalom series. This is kind of a one-off, and uh, it's crucial, really by way of preparation for uh, an election that we'll be conducting next week. All of you members, please come together. First time in the history of CCSC, female officers who will be elected as shepherdesses and deaconesses so that our ministry would reflect more of the scriptures, be more robust and healthy, uh, driven by the gospel. So praise be to God for that. Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is written by none other than Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, the Paul, used by God to this day to change countless lives. Used by God to change countless lives. How? Okay, what did Paul do to be used by God to change so many people's lives. Today is not only Father's Day, it's happy Juneteenth. It's a new national holiday. If you're going to take the day off tomorrow, please remember, thanks be to God, and celebrate at least the legal end to slavery in American history. It's also a couple of people's birthdays today, I found out today, but it is also Father's Day. My daughter recently reminded me, Dad, people only really care about Mother's Day, though. <laughs> but, you know, here, Apostle Paul was used by God because he acted as both, as both mother and father. Okay, these characteristics are not neatly distributed or exclusive by gender. Here is a man most likely a single man who acted maternally and paternally. That's what the ministry of Jesus Christ is like. And all of us here need both. Need both. All right. So first, like a nursing mother. That's how Paul describes himself. 
and the ministry of his team. We, we were like nursing mothers. Verse 7. Now, what comes to mind when you think about your moms? What first comes to mind when you think about halfway decent good moms? Filled with the Holy Spirit of God, Apostle Paul, gentleness comes to mind. That's the first feature. Know that we were gentle among you, like nursing moms. For a lot of you, you know, it <laughs> doesn't matter what kind of trouble you found yourself in, what kind of humiliation. It could be fallout, and it's really all your fault. But it doesn't matter what, the when, the where, the why, or the how. You can at least go to your mom. Because gentle moms make it absolutely safe to come just as you are. Moms caress and embrace. They make you feel safe just as you are. That's Apostle Paul, Holy Scriptures. Thinks of nursing moms. What should ministry be like? How did he conduct himself? We were eminently gentle. And that speaks a kind of care that is special. It is a supernatural, a gentleness. Along with gentleness, nursing moms are gritty. Probably the most gritty. Look at verse 9. Not only were we gentle among you, but you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Are there any more hardworking, around-the-clock, practical, urgent caregivers than nursing moms? Is there a tougher job than nursing moms? You are on call, on demand, all throughout the day and all through the night. According to Apostle Paul, ministry, serving people, if you want to see people's lives change, if you want to be used by God to impact, make some dent into eternity, where someone around you, their life is altered. First, you must be gentle, and you got to be gritty. You must work hard. There might be no harder work. You know, I think of Michelle and Priscilla, our parents, our teachers, and volunteers in security, as we've been conducting our very first on this campus, monumental. I'm not calling it monumental. That's the theme. It's called monumental, VBS. And I'm visiting Friday night and just seeing some of the video of last night. The smiles, just the elation of the kids, the hundreds of kids who came, I know, but I don't really know how much labor and work went into this and how proud I am of our team to offer Vacation Bible School. But I want to let you know, with all the labors, night and day, that went into a project like this, do you know the effects, the impressions, the memories, the rewards that God can bring they are incalculable. 
incalculable. Much of ministry like nursing moms, gentle and gritty, tender, and you've got to be tough. You must be tough because the ones you are tender towards, the one you are gentle towards, may not be the most appreciative at times. This was Paul's ministry. Now, when Apostle Paul thought about moms, what came to mind first was gentleness and gritty. Let me ask you this question this morning. When you think about God, as you came into the worship service of God today, what comes to mind first? What image? What body posture? What does his face look like in your mind? When you think about God, what comes to mind first? And can I suggest to you this morning, this may be the most important revealing part about your entire life. This is not just important about your theology, your knowledge of God. It is directly revelatory of what kind of relationship you have with God. What comes to mind first? What comes to mind first? How do you feel when God comes to mind? And here is Jesus Christ, who proclaimed to be God in human flesh. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, leading with, describing himself with, offering himself as, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And in me you shall find rest for your souls. Does that come to mind first? Does the song we sang does the Heidelberg Catechism, which we just read, that God is slow to anger, but abounding in steadfast love? Like he's giddy? Like he's primed? Like if you prick him, there's grace that oozes out? And that gentleness would be one of the preeminent qualities of God, your Father? Dane Ortland, in a book entitled Gentle and Lonely, observed this. The cumulative testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. Why and how is it that God came down in Jesus Christ, gentle and lowly, because the front door, oh, you know that ginormous, reverential, stern, high church architecture front door of Christianity? It never opens for people who have it together. It only opens for people who admit they never will. The front door of Christianity only opens for people who admit and know they will never get it all together. This is why Jesus came, gentle and lowly in heart. People's lives to be changed. That's the vision, that's the fire as to why CCAZ exists. So I got into ministry in the first place. But how? Gentle, gritty, one more feature like nursing moms, reassuring, reassuring. Uh, most moms are not content 
with their children half sure that they are loved. Most moms are not happy if their children have to question or are really moody or insecure or have to doubt depending upon their performance or their productivity or their obedience or what kind of day the mom had of how absolutely safe and loved that child is. And this is what Apostle Paul did with his people. He made sure that the people he served felt his heart for them. Look at chapter 2, verse 8. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God. Look, he's not just a teacher. He's not just a, he's not just a preacher. He's not just giving you words. Oh, they're life-saving words, to be sure. It's the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Because you had become very dear to us. Paul was reassuring. He was reassuring. In chapter 2, verse 17, he says, We were recently torn away from you. You know, the historical context of Thessalonica was God, Paul had been there, and there were new young converts to Jesus Christ as the way, as the risen Lord. But he had been torn away from them. He says, we were torn away from you because a riot broke out by the Judaizers. And Paul had to escape. He had to leave town. And he's just writing a letter back to those young converts. And the word that he uses in verse 17 of when he was torn away is the same word for grief of when you go to the funeral of your loved one. Now, you see, here's Paul. Here's Paul. I don't know how much you know about Apostle Paul the most prolific author of the New Testament. But I want you to know his heart. I want you to know his affections. Paul was not okay when the people he cared for were not okay. Paul was not isolated. He was not self-sufficient. He was not emotionally, relationally independent. You know, for Apostle Paul... When the people or the children that he loved and cared for were in distress, he was in distress. When they weren't doing well, he's not doing well. Can I ask you, brothers and sisters, today, have you poured out your heart like this? Have you ever poured out your heart like this? Have you ever tied your heart to the hearts of people you want to serve? Hey, does it go past the mere road duties or formalities? Does your heart beat with the heartbeat of the people you want to minister to? Because I'll tell you, if the people you care for and you contact, and they're going through enormous turmoil, but you go through no turmoil, it doesn't inconvenience you. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't weigh on you. It doesn't cost you. May I suggest your ministry is impersonal. And most often, people aren't phased. People won't be changed. In fact, you know it, they know it, and that ministry falls short of the ministry we find here, like a nursing mom. Oh, the wonder, the wonder of the gentleness, the grittiness, the hard work, and then the reassurance 
the reassurance. You know, again in seminary, one old professor told me, which I'll never forget, Harold, it's not just you got to preach. Hopefully you preach okay. But your people have got to know and feel you love them. That you love them. Because love, that affection, that reassurance, is the most fertile soil for which lives change. Objection, objection here. Oh, you know, passages like this. It's so obvious that the Bible privileges men and patronizes and relegates women and moms to these lesser roles. Not quite sure how so. Apostle Paul, greatest missionary and theologian, who was a man, boasts of himself being like a nursing mom. And was there anybody else in human history who welcomed and identified with and defended and exalted? And he actually was scandalized and attacked for exalting women. Anyone more who was pro-women than Jesus Christ himself? You know, Stephen Carter at Yale today says, around the globe today, do you know who are the most likely converts to Christianity? Around the world today, right now, they're just coming in droves. Who would they be? What demographic? Women of color. Women of color. How does that happen? Because of this Bible? No, only because of its abuse and misuse once again. Like a nursing mother, we were gentle among you. We toiled day and night, and we were affectionately desirous of you. You are very dear to us. So come just as you are. That's why God gives spiritual moms in the church. It's safe to come just as you are. But he also gives spiritual fathers to never leave you just as you are. Come just as you are. It's safe. But there are father figures now who will not leave you as you are. Now, okay. So Apostle Paul now turns to, he acted like a father. He acted like a father. First feature of this, father's coach. I'm going to call this coaching. Look at verse 12. We exhorted each one of you. That's an action-oriented, okay? So specific target goal, we exhort each one of you. Encourage, motivational. There you go. Get down into the heart. Appeal. We don't want you to just be robots. Absolutely, we want to breathe in motivation, courage, and charged, charged, urgent. Hmm? emphatic yeah there's some force to that to do what to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory these are all kinds of words to describe coaching isn't it improving future oriented action items so you all of us in this room need the absolute safety of mothers and we need the sanctifying coaching of fathers. Sanctifying, just a fancy word for life-changing. Life-changing. Come as you are, and God will never leave you just as you are. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's how lives change. You need moms and dads to do that. Because on the other side of not being left just as you are, the Bible promises there is so much greater glory and beauty and joy ahead. Oh, you are 
to be sure, loved just as you are. But your experience, your fullness, your joy, your contentment, hey, your utmost humanity, the way that you were made to be, that, my friends, will never come if you just stay unchanged as you are. So like a father, Apostle Paul coached. He coached. Now you see, if you're only maternal, never paternal, if you're only safe, if you're only accepting, if you're only tolerant, if you're only inclusive, but you never have a vision and voice to have someone change or grow, may I suggest to you, you're actually not after that person's happiness and well-being. You're probably after your own. If you're only maternal but never paternal, you're really not after that other person's real happiness. If you're too mm, paralyzed almost, okay, you're just too afraid. You don't know how to like discipline or correct or turn around a wayward child or let alone do that with another adult who's your brother or sister or son and daughter at the church. You never want to get in the way and correct someone. It's probably because you cannot bear with that person's approval of you or disapproval of you. Listen again to Apostle Paul. Verses 4 through 6. We didn't read it. But listen, pay attention to close to this. This is marvelous. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with the pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of, of Christ. Now get this about Apostle Paul and his ministry. He could bear with the people whom he served being unhappy and disapproving of him. He could handle that. In fact, he got used to it. <laughs> Apostle Paul, it's hurtful. Oh, it's not something you want. It's not something you pray for or prefer. But the people you serve and minister to and love on may actually be very unhappy. In fact, just may oppose you to your face. That Paul could handle. But do you know what Paul could not bear? Do you know what he could not handle? Was that the people he served, or served would continue to displease God and be, end up profoundly and utterly unhappy for life. That's the mark of a minister of Jesus Christ. You can handle people being unhappy with you, but you cannot handle them being unhappy for life and into eternity apart from God. If you're only maternal, but you're never paternal, you're not after that person's growth and well-being. For them to walk in a manner worthy of God. You know, one of our elders sent out an article by fatherly.com is launched in 2015. It's supposed to serve men in parenting. And of course, much of parenting for men is just self-discovery. It's from Elder, Elder Dr. Eric Choi. I joked, Thanks, uh, thank you for sending this to me. It just made me more depressed before Father's Day. But here's what one article pointed out. Quote, yelling turns out to be a pretty gendered issue. If testosterone can help you throw a baseball harder, a child psychiatrist says, then it can also make you hurl your voice with greater volume and velocity, 
which is extra scary for a kid. It's not that moms don't yell. It's that fathers yell with more force. Sonny has said this to me probably too many times. Uh, Harold, it's not that you yell often. It's just that though when you do yell, it's, um, man, that might leave an impact. You know, there are so many people who don't, they're not attracted to or trust or want to have father figures, let alone God as God our father or have any kind of festive mood on a Father's Day. Why? Because, frankly, a lot of fathers are just, just scary or distant and uninvolved, uncaring. You see, on the other hand, if you're only paternal without being maternal, if you're only a dad, you're only strong or whatever stereotype you think of what it means to be male. Then people won't get near you. They can't stay near you. They'll get demoralized. They'll get crushed. They'll often quit. If you're only maternal without being paternal, you're not after a person's growth. But if you're only paternal without being maternal, people don't make it. People don't make it. You know, early, early last week, I was sitting there watching the NBA Finals, and I got COVID. Oh, I knew I had COVID. I had all the symptoms. Went away pretty quick, at least some of the bad symptoms. And both of my daughters, Tay and Elizabeth, come downstairs and say, Dad, can we talk to you? It's like, wow, this is highly unusual. I'm watching a basketball game. Can't you tell I'm busy? Going to the living room, and we sat six feet apart because I have COVID. We're all masked. And it quickly dawned on me that my girls, this was an intervention. Taylor Elizabeth started to tell me, Dad, you are upsetting. You are frustrating. Because while you have COVID, you are not careful about isolating or wearing a mask. And when we do point it out at those moments when you're eating or just randomly show up downstairs, you don't have your mask on, you get really annoyed at us. It really upsets us. Oh, man. Wow. I'm not watching the NBA Finals. My daughters are confronting me like this. I sense my wife sitting upstairs all quiet. She's just like, wow, game on right now. This is a game. I got to watch this one. And oh, I wanted to be defensive. I wanted to excuse myself. I actually wanted to lash back and say, you guys have no compassion for you. Anyways, I wanted to lash back. But man, I had these scriptures on my conscience. <laughs> There's a thing called the Holy Spirit. And it just, it owned me. And all I could do was simply and sincerely apologize. My girls handled me so well. Handled me so well. And with great appreciation, I gave my entire family COVID anyways. <laughs> How do people's lives change? How do they really change? Well, let me get to the second feature of fathers. You not only have to coach, 
But the best type of coaching is when people see you change. Hey, fathers, your children the churches have got to see you change. Have got to see you make progress. Do you know why Apostle Paul was great at fathering and coaching? Because he was great at being a son and great at being coached. Do you know why anyone is, becomes a whatever, a good leader? Because you are good at following a leader. How are you used by God to change lives? It's only as God is changing your life. Changing your life. Changing your life inside out. So you see in verse 12 what Paul says, Hey, fathers... Like me, you've got to exhort, you've got to encourage, you've got to charge. Then he turns around in verse 12. Listen, what he appeals back to. With conscience clear. Like, he has no hesitation. He's just confident in saying this. Verse 10. You are witnesses. Like, you've watched me. You've been up close with me. Like, you know how I am. And God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. Here's how Apostle Paul did life in ministry. Here's how he was used by God to change countless number of lives. He just turned around and did what God was doing with him. Christian life is not that complex. Christian ministry is not that complex. It's hard, but it's not really complex. You are called to simply do for others what God in Jesus Christ keeps doing with you. And there's that ancient, stunning promise by the prophet of Isaiah, verse 15 of 49. Isaiah 49, verse 15, which declares, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Oh, even the face of your absolutely loving, safest, gentle, gritty, endearing, reassuring moms will come and go. They may come and go. But Jesus Christ is proof of how God becomes like a mother to you who will never forget you. His face will never come and go. You will never be lost. You know, until Jesus came along upon the face of humanity, it was revolutionary. It was offensive for anyone to refer to God in some intimate, casual, familial terms. You know, religion is always formal, distant, dark, scary, sober, too serious. The buildings, the surface, I mean, the whole service, the way people are dressed, convey this to you. And a lot of that is very, very true. But when Jesus comes along, he says, um, I came, so I want you to call my father... Your father, Abba Father. I want cold, formal religion to be transformed into a reality and experience in which God is not just God out there, but He is one you can cry out, Abba. And this is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is what Jesus came to do. And this is how lives are changed. 
He cried out in agony. He cried out abandoned. He cried out alone at the cross so that anyone who comes to believe in Jesus, whenever you cry out, whenever you cry out, no matter what condition or circumstance, you are guaranteed to be heard, answered, and beloved on the spot. Like a nursing mother, like a father. And it is in the gospel that fathers coach and are actually being changed themselves. As you simply turn around and do what Jesus is doing with you. Oh, as we come to some application points, you cannot just listen to a sermon on this. Actually, every sermon is like that, really. You cannot just listen to a sermon on how lives change, how churches should be, or how we can be more robust or healthy. You cannot just listen to this. You have to have someone doing this with you in your life. You have to have someone doing this with you in your life. You don't have to have a biological family, but you do have to belong to his church. And there is no group, club, organization, or business in the world that has more promise and more powers to do so than people who have been changed by Jesus Christ. So I'm just going to close with a couple of shout outs for our shepherding ministry here at the church. And this is preparation for next week as we elect our first female officers. A shout out for shepherding, which is much like parenting at CCSC. Shepherding ministry was launched last year, April 2021. We have a two-year project. We call it Stage 1. It's just Level 1. Stage 1 is that pastors, elders, and deacons would have a first friendly contact by name and by face with each adult member of CCSC. And that each adult member of CCSC would in turn also know the name and the faces of your shepherds. In other words... We want to provide spiritual moms and dads. We need both. And to have spiritual moms next week, I want you to prepare yourselves and pray for voting for these following six candidates. You can go to ChristCentralSC.com backslash female officers. Just go to our website, backslash female officers. And the two candidates for shepherdess are none other than Jennifer Hahn, Sonia Jew. Shepherdess, an office for leadership, shepherding, and rule, working alongside our elders, shepherdess, Jennifer Hahn and Sonia Jew. And then we got four candidates for deaconess, an office of mercy and good deeds, practical hands-on mercy, Angela Huang, Arlene Lee, Sharon Myung, and Jennifer Yeo. We're only one year in as we add our female officers into our second year, two-year project. We hope and we will fulfill that every adult member will be contacted by face and by name, and you will know who your shepherd or shepherds are as well. But let me give some words of encouragement first. There's no better shepherds. There's no better shepherds you will ever find in your life than the ones right in front of you. You know, when the pandemic was raging, there's an article put out by John Beeson, a fellow pastor, and he said, virtual limitless access to the best of teachers and preachers and gurus and coaches and bloggers and podcasts, wide open. You can get it, and you're going to find so many who are better. But John turns around and he says, but there's something I have none of them have. 
I'm here. I'm here. I can show up at your house. I can be the one that shows up at the hospital. I can take your kid and help you out. I can drop off meals and gifts. And you can feel my touch when I pray for you. There's no better shepherds than the ones that God has sovereignly placed, sovereignly trained, who are committed, that are voted by and voted for you. There's no better shepherds you are ever going to find. If you have the humility and the eyes wide open by the Spirit of God, then the ones who are there for you, simply just there for you, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, through all the seasons of life. No better shepherds. Oh, competencies to be sure. Character to be sure. But that present, visible, accessible compassion, no better shepherd you can find. Second, last thing. Whether formal or informal, small group leader, any friendships you have, you want to see people's lives change? I want to distill something, maybe in my midlife of life of ministry. I want to distill, boil this down. All you need to do is just come around when you're called. Come around when you're called. I've been reading and listening to another book by Henri Nouwen, The Wounded Healer. And he tells a story when he was a chaplain for Holland, America. And he was on the bridge of that Dutch huge ocean liner. And there was such a thick fog that you could not even see the bow of the ship. Well, the captain was on the bridge of that ship, nervously pacing around and barking out orders, and he happened to bump into Mr. Nowen and stumbled over him. And then he blurted out, God, you know what? Get out of my way. And Henri Nowen says, feeling completely irrelevant and incompetent and alone as he was walking away. The captain came back around to him only to say, why don't you stay around? This might be the only time I really need you. This might be the only time I really need you. Every true shepherd or minister I've ever met can resonate with this at every level. How unimportant, irrelevant, unneeded. In fact, sometimes you feel like, what am I doing getting in the way of all these self-reliant, savvy, successful, professional people? They're busy with their lives. What am I here to do? And it dawned on me this week how often I treat Jesus Christ, my greater perfect shepherd, the same way. You know, under the illusions of performance and self-reliance and comfort and control, how often I don't really need Jesus to be around. How often I don't really appreciate or call upon him to do things which I know I cannot do. And how often is it that I only, and you may only, turn to Jesus, a perfect shepherd, when all your options are exhausted and lost, when all your other attempts have failed, 
and you come crawling to Jesus like a last resort. He's just the last resort, and you have nowhere else to go. And yet, that's where Jesus meets you and loves you and serves you with joy, even still. Oh, my fellow shepherds and ministers of CCSC, all you need to do is just come around when people call. Yeah, I haven't quoted you two in a long time. You're welcome. One of the songs Bono sings, I feel myself going down. I feel myself going down. I just call and he comes around. I just call and he comes around. He's speaking about Jesus, that perfect priest and shepherd. older. I just call and he comes around. For the first time, I feel love. Shepherds, our spiritual moms and dads, brothers and sisters, make sure you come around when you're called. Just make sure you come around when you're called. Do what Jesus is doing with you. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you, God, for the riches, the power, the life-changing effects of your word, your ministry to your church. Oh, God, I pray that CCSC would grow in depths of affection, depths of a practical, sacrificial love, that we would grow as moms and dads who look out and care for and give of ourselves, not only give the gospel, but give of our very selves so that lives might be loved, changed, healed, sealed, completed by your spirit. Lord, hear us, we pray. And even now, God, for any friend here, anyone who comes broken, anyone who feels himself going down, Anyone who knows their sin, that they don't have it together, would you bring them to Jesus? Bring them with faith to Jesus. And may they find themselves safe in your arms. Forgive all their sins. And bring them, O God, to belong to and serve your church. Hear us, we pray, O God, for your glory, our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.